Happy Wednesday, everybody. Who or what are you celebrating today? There are so many things that I'm going to celebrate today. First of all, I'm going to start by celebrating my grandmother. I grew up in South Carolina on a tobacco farm, and my grandmother was one of the hardest working women that I have ever met up to this day, and I'm 62 years young. But no matter what and how busy she was, and she was cooking for the farmhands, and she was making pies, and she was making cakes, every day around one o'clock, she would have to stop for her stories. And that's what she called them, her stories. And she would always say to me, I have to see what Lisa is up today, uh, up to today. And we would stop and we would watch as the world turns. And years later, when I moved to New York, uh, my grandmother and my mom, the greatest achievement that I had was meeting Eileen Fulton and getting to know her and becoming a friend of hers. I have had the great fortune of sharing a stage with her. And of course, being in the audience with her so many times, not only a lot of people know her as that vixen from As the World Turns, but you may not know that she is an incredible singer. She is an incredible uh, entertainer. And there's a whole world uh, beyond uh, the world that she did of soap operas and her stories. And today we're gonna celebrate her on her birthday. Here she is, everybody. Eileen Fulton, and we're celebrating her and her body of worth today. I am, <laughs> I am so thrilled to see you again. Oh, you are such a dear person. You really are. Well, we haven't it's seen each other. It's been about, I think, probably 10 years now. That's true. That's amazing, but it's true. <laughs> well, I want to talk about the trajectory of your life. Uh, you started out in North Carolina. Uh, you are the daughter of a Methodist minister. Uh, I grew up in the Methodist church. I have to ask, first of all, it must have been thrilling for you, at least I'm hoping that it was, for you to <laughs> sit in, uh, in, you know, in the pew on a Sunday and see your father up there uh, doing you know, his performance. And was that a lead-in to your wanting to go into show business? Uh, well, hmm. no, no, Daddy was serious. And I don't want to be serious. That's not true. <clears throat> in uh, an acting class in New York, uh, I was in front of everybody, of course. And my uh, teacher said, Eileen, you know, your forte is in comedy. Comedy? No, I'm a serious actress. And I got so upset, I started jumping up and down, tears streaming. I said, Milton, I am a serious actress. Don't you? And everybody was laughing. And that upset me. Because, and I had to turn around and say, I said serious, not silly. And they said, <laughs> uh, that's as far as I got with it. Well, Eileen, where did your exposure to show business happen for you in North Carolina? Uh, did you, Were there local theater companies that came through? Uh, I know that there was the Lost Colony, and you eventually ended up performing there. Uh, but how did you first get exposed to the theater? Uh <clears throat> I simply said, every time we moved, we were Methodist, and so we moved around quite a bit. That's how they used to be. I loved it. I was the new girl in school, and I thought that was great fun. Uh, but I remember saying to my daddy, Daddy, does the church have a stage? And they said, well, old girl, if it doesn't, I'm going to build you one. Wow. So I yeah, so we he built them, and oh, I loved it. I've just always enjoyed the stage. So 
you, I mean, how did you, how did you end up getting to the uh, Lost Colony? Did that happen before you went to New York or did New York come as a result of that? No, it went, uh, that was when I graduated from high school. And, uh, oh, I love doing that. That was fun. I love Mantio. I think it's great. And I had my first pizza pie there. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the boys who took me out to pizza at the shack, oh, it was great. But I wonder why they kept doing this. On They were putting little red flakes of red pepper. Because they wanted me to, they wanted me to stop drinking sodas. They wanted me to ask for a beer. Nah, not then. I was, no. I was. So, yeah. how did the doors open for you to get to New York? <clears throat> Our father was in uh, the Navy during the war, and he got stationed. He was a chaplain. He got stationed. Uh, on Staten Island. And so mother and I were going to move up there. And I was thrilled. Staten Island. Oh, my own island. <laughs> and uh, that was just beautiful. We had such a good time. But the first thing I wanted to do, I had looked through Life magazine. And in doing this, I said, I want to meet all those famous people I see. And then I thought, yeah, I don't want to meet them. I want to be one. Uh, so anyway, we had fun. I loved living in the city. So you came to New York and you went to the Neighborhood Playhouse. Uh, that's where you originally began. Um, how soon after you started pursuing a career uh, did you begin to get into the unions, getting your equity card, uh, getting, uh, you, you know, getting into television? Uh, because you did some television uh, before the world of soap operas came along. That's right. Uh, oh, well, I don't mean to have to let special air go by as I say nothing, but I'm just trying to remember. I've got a lot of years back there to remember. Take your time. Uh, everyone's <laughs> excited that you're here today. I'll read you some of the comments in a few moments. Well, let's see. Oh, I forgot what you asked me. Uh, how soon did you begin to get uh, work after you got to New York? I know that you went to the Neighborhood Playhouse. Uh, I had I studied for two years. <clears throat> and the next year, I started going out for auditions. And I find that was interesting, uh, especially a cigarette commercial. I had to learn to hold the cigarette properly and uh, put the cigarette, not unlit. A lady never does that. <laughs> so I had it, I don't know, I got so mixed up and I was so nervous. They said, please turn around and let's see your profile. And I turned around and that's after smoking about 15 cigarettes, trying to get it right. And I fell over in the floor. And they said, thank you, Miss Fulton. Uh, when you can sit up, maybe we'll talk. So I didn't get that one. Now, during this whole time that you were auditioning and you were going to school and everything, was your family still in Staten Island? Uh, did you commute back and forth to Staten Island? Or did you get an apartment in New York City? Well, I had an apartment, but my family did not live in Staten Island. They moved right back as the war was over oh, wow. to North Carolina. It was a big commute, Richard. Well, it sure <laughs> was. But how did your family feel about the fact that, I mean, you were a very young, uh, attractive young woman alone in New York City? Uh, were they comfortable with that? I mean, your father obviously had instilled in you uh, his, uh, you know, his faith and his religion. Uh, and the, I'm sure he felt comfortable with that. But there was a lot of temptation in New York City. <laughs> yes, I guess there is a lot of temptation. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he did not worry. He thought, this is great. And then after I got on the show, As the World Turns, I... Uh, Daddy came up to visit, and 
the first thing I did was take him to see, uh, no, I'm trying to think. Uh, I took him to see a racy show is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And he loved it. (laughs) Of course he did. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so, uh, but I, I, I'm just, you know, I just want to get the trajectory of your career and how things began to unfold. I know that for a while that you were also in the Fantastics. Well, that was later. <clears throat> I was on uh, As the World Turns was first. Okay. And uh, I got that because I was interviewed and uh, I met Ted Corday at that time. And... <clears throat> I just thought he was great. I thought he was funny. We talked and we laughed. And he said that this girl is very uh, emotional and she's also response, responsive. So I thought, that's good. And I got a call to come back. I had to audition for this part of Lisa about three times. So that was that kept me busy. And I got it. I was so thrilled. Now, did this happen through an agent or did it happen through a manager? And how did you get your agent and your manager at that time? I don't know how I got my agent, but I heard that we had to walk all over and knock down doors, more or less. Making the rounds. Yes. So that's what I did. It was on July the 3rd. It was hot. I had on a cute, I say I had on a cute pink dress, and I was walking all around. And finally, I was so tired, and my feet hurt. I can't tell you how they hurt. And so I got to a door, and it was strange looking. The door was propped up. I guess they were repairing it or something. But I simply took it and yanked it open. I fell slid right in on my butt and sitting opposite where I fell was William McCaffrey. He was a wonderful agent. He let, he had his feet up on the desk and uh, smoking a cigar, he, just like you would picture your agent. Mm-hmm. And he said, little girl, as I was sitting on the floor, you don't have to literally break down doors you can just open them and come in. And so he liked my spunk. And uh, he immediately became my agent. And I was with him for a good a few years. And I tried to get back. Once you leave somebody, you can't get back. Just remember that. Oh, I know. Uh, well, sometimes, you know, but uh, I, I understand that. Uh Eileen, at that time uh, in your career, uh, I know that you were pursuing a career as uh, a serious actress on the stage. Mm -hmm. And there was a time, and I know from interviewing a lot of actors and actresses from the same uh, same time frame, that a lot of them actually, until that door opened for them, looked down on television. Uh, did you have that same feeling, or was that uh, a door that you actually wanted to walk through? I did. I, well, I was with Sandy Meisner. Uh, he was my most beloved teacher. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's okay to do a soap opera. In fact, it's a great start. But you better know it when you go in. You better study your script and be aware. So I learned that. Uh, Hmm. What do you ask me? No, no. uh, If the the world of television was something that you would actually wanted at that time. Yes, of course. Because Sandy said, (laughs) I'm back on track. Sandy said, it's fine to do a soap opera. You're an act. You're actors out here. You're actors, and uh, bring a reality to your acting. It has to be real. It has to be believable. And when you do that, it'll 
he said, you can go places. So I took that seriously. And uh, yeah. So your manager comes in, he tells you that he has an audition for you to audition for this soap opera as the world turns. How much did you know about the character of Lisa before you went into audition for her? She was brand new. I knew nothing about her. Uh, I just knew that uh, she was from where Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> so <clears throat> I did my best to speak properly uh, and not with too much of a Southern accent. No, I know and, that. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are both from the Carolinas, so I know. Oh, it's so difficult. It is so difficult. And I did work on it, but when I I start getting mad at somebody, it'll come right back out. That southern accent. Well, anyway, I was thrilled to get to audition for this. I just wanted to be real. And uh, so, so you mentioned earlier that you had three callbacks before you actually got the role. Uh, do you recall how long after the third callback before you found out that you were going to be doing this? too long, well, you know, five hours, something like that. <laughs> I, I wanted to be told then and there that I had it. Uh, but it, it was just a few hours when I got home, took off my shoes and uh, relaxed. And I got the call. Oh, was I happy. <clears throat> did you have any, did they give you any indication? at that time, how long originally that they thought that you would be playing this role? The summer, just the summer. It was a summer story with young Bob. And uh, <clears throat> that went well. Uh, in fact, it went so well that the man who was playing young Bob got recast because they needed to grow him up. The writer, Erna Phillips, thought, well, I think I can go somewhere with this little girl. I can tell she is a bitch. <laughs> and so she said, she's a scamp. That's what she said. A little scamp. So uh, I'd like to work with her. And that's really how I got it, by working with sweet little Bob in the back of a car. <laughs> and I said... I don't know. We were talking, and as I looked at him, I just thought these strange thoughts that I would just like to do to him. And uh, they knew that. You know, you can read your expressions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How much flexibility did they give you in terms of what you wanted to bring to the character? A lot. Well, you know, I don't. Well, they had to see where I could go as an actress. And so they saw. <laughs> and uh, it was really surprising because <clears throat> Lisa had a lot of power because people wanted to know what happened to that little bitch. You know, she's going to do this and that. And she gets by with it. What's going to happen to her? So made her very, pardon me, <clears throat> a little. I'll join you. I'll join you. Thank you, my dear. Uh, were you amazed or surprised at how fast uh, this phenomenon of Lisa took off? Because immediately uh, CBS was inundated with fan mail on a level that they had never received before. And in my research, I also found out uh, that you were the first soap actress or actor uh, that had to hire a publicist to handle all of this. Yes. Yes, I did. And it was great. And I just, I knew that my character, Lisa, would go. I knew she would catch on because it's what I like to watch, you know. Did you feel, uh, I mean, constrained at all uh, in terms of, I mean, the shooting schedule uh, must have been incredibly exhausting for you uh, in terms of being able to go off and do 
other things because you continue to do other theater as well. What was yeah. that like balancing the two things? Oh, that was really hard. Uh, it was hard, and especially at first, they said, well, uh, if you want to do theater, we'll try to show compassion. And I thought, Procter & Gamble showing compassion to an actor sticks. <laughs> and um, I finally had it written in my contract, and they took out compassion. Uh, and then I got really lucky. I started doing, I, wanted, I had done the, which one had I done? I had done uh, the Fantastics, mm -hmm. and I found out that I could learn very quickly uh, because I knew what people, how people felt to me, how they, uh, how they made me feel. And so you sort of go on that and by what they do. So uh, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think. Hmm. I have a question uh, from yeah. one of our fans that's watching. I'm going to bring this on the screen. And he says, please ask you about your singing. And I already know I'm a fan of your singing. Uh, did you just sing? Uh, well, I know that you sang Beyond As the World Turns. Um, but you all, when did you, the singing really begin to take off for you? <clears throat> well, I always enjoyed to sing. That was wonderful. It's acting on a sustained note, I guess. Uh, and I sang in church, mm -hmm. um, but hmm, it was, it was just, when it, it didn't take off as fast as I wanted it to, because I really love doing cabaret. That's my favorite. Mm -hmm. And, uh, singing out, uh, in the audience and, uh, looking at them and knowing they're there mm -hmm. and you get an immediate response, as you know. Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I really love doing that. I really, it's immediate response. <laughs> uh, speaking of immediate response, do you recall when you first began to feel the success that Lisa was bringing to the show? And when did people begin to encounter you on the street? And oh. let's face it, some people were uh, had difficulty in separating you from the character that you were playing. Many people had problems like that. Uh, <clears throat> it was one day I was coming out of Lord and Taylor at that time. That was my first store. And then I grew up but I, anyway I like the word Taylor. so I was coming out and this lady in a great suit which I found out later on was a Chanel uh, she said excuse me and I turned I thought, she wants an autograph and I said yes and she said aren't you Lisa and I said well I try to be on the stage or on television she said mm-hmm I hate you. And she bopped me so hard in my arm. I dropped my pen. It was a pretty one. It was from Tiffany's and I, it had been a gift that I thought it's for my first autograph. And I dropped it right down there in the gutter. And I picked it up quickly and <clears throat> was poised to give her an autograph, but she didn't want it. And she just walked away. And I realized my character is mean. My character is good. She's powerful. Yeah. And I thought, this is good. So that's when I knew that was the first time getting belted. Did you feel that uh, at that moment, did you feel, uh, did you take that as a compliment? I'm sure at the moment that it was a huge shock to you uh, in your system. But uh, after she walked away, did you begin to feel, wait a minute, 
Yes, I did. <laughs> you use this. And uh, I was later on when I would come to different places to do uh, a show or, uh, you know, an acting show, any of these. They would book me as Lisa, the woman you love to hate. And I thought, I really want to be loved. <laughs> I really do. But if you act like, if you become the person that people hate you so much. It's pretty good. Now, I remember seeing a movie some time ago with Mercedes McCambridge, and she was such a devil. She was so awful. And when she comes riding in a horse and is going to kill kill this woman, oh. Joan Crawford. That's yeah. it. Thank you. And <clears throat> Johnny Guitar, wasn't that the name of it? Yes, anyway. Johnny and she was riding on her horse. She said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and uh, she turned around, Joan, and shot her and got her between the eyes. And she was shocked and she fell down of dead. And I was so excited. Oh, I got up and yelled. And it's a theater. People didn't yell very much in North Carolina uh, about seeing things like that. Before she was good, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to meet make people as angry with me as she made. Well, me. you know, it's interesting. Yeah. On Sunday, and I'll, this is a little shameless plug that I'll let everyone know. At twelve noon on Sunday, I'm interviewing Allison Arngram, who played Nellie Olson on Little House on the Prairie, and we've talked about this in the past. I mean, it's the people that we love to hate. They mm -hmm. get the most fan mail, that they Shit. get the most response out of people. Uh, and your legion of fans have never left you. No, they haven't. And I'm so thankful. Uh, that my fans are great. They're a lot of them my friends. So absolutely. Uh, yes. as time went on with the soap, and uh you were with the soap for 50 plus years. Yes. Um, when did you feel, perhaps you did, perhaps you didn't, and we can set the record straight now, that you had leverage in terms of your career and what you were able to bring to the table? Quite, I felt that quite a lot. Uh, it was, yes, I had. Are you talking about the grandma clause? No, no, not. You want to tell us about the grandma clause? Yes. Okay. You know, it was really, uh, these people wanted to keep me grandma once I was old enough to be a grandma after I married, I don't know, two or three people. <clears throat> and they thought, she's old enough to be a And I simply said, I will not play a grandmother on this show. Not yet. Later on, it was fine because I was much older. And uh, I enjoyed it, too. But I had a grandma clause written in. Uh, Eileen was Now, was this something that you came up with? Uh-huh. And I'm sure there are many actresses who applaud you for this. Yeah, well, too bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, we live in a business where once you are so good at one thing, I mean, obviously, you were great at this. Uh, the powers that be, whoever they are, try to pigeonhole you into staying in that milieu um, when you want to bring other aspects to uh, the character. Uh, what were some of the things that you had to fight for as far as Lisa was concerned? Hmm. I don't know. I don't remember having to... Yo, yes, I do. Uh, do you remember that story with... Uh... I can't think of his name. <laughs> oh, we forget, don't we? But that's all right. Uh, Whit McCall. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, finally known as Whitless. Whitless McCall. Anyway, he was a husband. I don't remember which one. But uh, I really, it's too bad. I really just, he was not a pleasure to work with. 
Some people are wonderful and responsive. He was hard for me to get. So he wrote him out. I was away. I had left the show for quite some time, uh, forever. I've always leaving the show forever. <laughs> and uh, there, <clears throat> at, during that time, they brought him in. They killed him. And when I came back, it was a great scene. You see a, a little one of those ham carts coming in with many, many suitcases and this hat. And underneath you can see these feet. And it was Lisa. She was back. And when I walked into my home, I tripped over Whitmacall because it was dead lying there. And that really annoyed me. So that was one thing. Oh, and backing up just a little bit before that, it was another scene with Whit. Except this was actually where we acted together. He wasn't dead. So uh, I remember some people jumped out of the birthday cake. And he thought, maybe if anybody remembers, you can help me remember a bit more. But anyway, uh, he was so shocked about having this huge cake and somebody jumping out. I think it was his daughter. I don't know who it was. But he said, you rascal, I'm going to just have to spike you. And I said, no, you won't. I said, you will not lay a hand on me. And that was the end of that scene. And I went up to the producers and I said, if he so dares as spank me, that shows that it's so cute, you know, when big strong men spank the little lady. I think that's disgusting. Yes, good for you. Oh, yeah. And I said, I won't play that. If you do that, (laughs) I was mixed up on all my people. But I said, excuse me, I will get Project Greenpeace to walk outside your door and pick at you. And And you But you know, I said it was such feeling that they thought, oh, we don't want Greenpeace out here. (laughs) And I thought, oh, that's not the name. What was it? It, but you know, it was the, a woman's organization, and I couldn't think of. But I knew that I was right, and I didn't want to say how cute it is to spank Lisa. No, so, good for you. So when you uh, left, as the world turns, uh, did you feel a shift in the business happening at that time, as far as soap opera? <laughs> Excuse me, and. I mean, there. I, I think right now, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, I think right now there are only three soap operas on TV, which is surprising to me. Oh, that's sad. <clears throat> well, there are reality shows, I yes. guess. Yeah. That kind of taken the place. The National Organization of Women. That's uh, mm-hmm. Pam's. Yes. Now. That's <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Yes. So... Eileen, I want to talk about two other areas of your life that I really know very well. Um, when, number one, your cabaret career. Uh, how did that begin for you? And you had a very successful cabaret career here in New York for a long time. Yeah. I loved doing that. It was being a character and bringing it to the audience it was wonderful. I really liked doing that. Uh, it was my plan <laughs> to, to do that. It wasn't <clears throat> written out for me. That was great. And, and that's wonderful at it. And we, we had a mutual friend, and that was Dick Barclay. And oh, Dick yes. Barclay was, uh, everybody should be lucky enough to have a Dick Barclay in their life. Um, that is true. How did you and Dick uh, originally meet, and how did he become so such an important part of your life? Hmm. And <clears throat> I 
when I was uh, had gone to a a play. Wait, wait a minute, it was. It, was, uh, it doesn't matter what it was, does it? So anyway, I'd gone to a play, and then I was invited to the party afterwards, and Dick was invited, and he stood at the door, and I thought, "Yes, this good-looking guy," and. I, Went up, we introduced ourselves, and he knew who I was. And I don't know, we got together very soon uh, <clears throat> after that. I'm choking. <laughs> I'm going to take a drink. Uh, take your time. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, that's how we met. And he was so important to me during my rest of the years here in New York. Um, <clears throat> he could film my tele my shows, my uh, cabaret shows, and he was my escort on different places. And we just, I even got him to go with me to Holland, where we had a grand time. Oh, that was really fun. Hmm. That was great. Wow. He was such a, I mean, and uh, we, of course, did... Uh, and uh, when he passed so suddenly, uh, we did that incredible memorial uh, for him. And uh, and uh, I, I miss him. I miss him so much. And uh, I, you know, those were those were great times. We, uh, I want to ask you. Uh, you've had this incredible career. Uh, you've who do you consider the great mentors that you've worked with? People that you've learned great things from. Uh, and who have imparted great advice to you. Uh, and let's start with your father. What do you think is the greatest piece of advice that your father ever gave you? <laughs> he just told me to watch out. And, you know, he always supported me. So did my mother. But I said to my mother, this is where the great, it was really good. I said, now, Mom, she taught typing and uh, bookkeeping and things like that in high school. And I said, don't you think that I should learn to be a typist, a wonderful typist? And mother said, yeah, that might help. And I said, well, then I, when I go to New York and I'm not uh, <clears throat> acting or something. I could have this job in type. And she said, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. But it's really not. When you think about when you're in New York, you're going to be there to study, to be. And she said, I don't want to think of you saying, well, that's, I can't make that. I can't get to that, uh, uh, that audition today because I've got to finish all this typing. Mother said, I don't want that to come <laughs> way of your being the actress and I thought that's so important but I wish I could type that's amazing I mean that's the complete opposite because I mean when I was I remember growing up in South Carolina and my next door neighbor Miss Cacharo uh always saying have something to fall back on have maybe she maybe she I should have listened to her, uh, but she was always have something to fall back on. And I always said, well, if I have something to fall back on, chances are I'm going to fall back on it. And I think that most people do. So yeah. uh, then you know, Sanford Meisner, what was the greatest lesson that you learned? And you studied actually with Sanford Meisner. Yes, I did. I love Sandy. Um, <clears throat> I, I can't. That's a a powerful question. I wish I had an answer of a specific time. I just, I, I could talk back to him. That was important. Maybe that was a bit of Lisa there. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was, he was a good teacher. He taught the importance of looking at the person you're working with, the actor you're working with. <clears throat> seeing them, really seeing them, and maybe you would react to that, or maybe you wouldn't. But that was that was it. That that's the basis of uh, acting for me. Is what do you, who is that person to me? 
what do I want from him? And does he make me happy or does he make me angry? And uh, oh, that's that's what I learned. Trust yourself. Trust your reactions. Uh, it's very important. What a gift, uh, Eileen. I almost called you Lisa. Uh, what a <laughs> what a gift, Eileen, to be able to embody a character for fifty years that is so embedded in people's memories and everything. Even now, uh, yeah. when I that you were going to be on today so many people would say lisa 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 i mean you were lisa to so many people what did you learn uh from lisa that has stuck with you long after you stopped playing her <clears throat> well she often said what she thought and i got a good response from that and it's important don't Cover yourself up like that, I think. It just don't hurt anybody in the process. Um, wow, wow. Yeah. What do you feel was the, you know, looking back over your career, what do you feel was the most difficult, without naming names or anything, because I'm all about celebrating, what was the <laughs> most difficult obstacle that you felt that you had to get through in this business for all the artists that are watching? And what got you through that period? You mean <clears throat> uh, career-wise? I don't think I ever thought of anything as an obstacle. Uh, it's something I had to get rid of so I could uh, do what I had to do. Uh, Mother used to say that she couldn't believe that I could play different things well, you know, it's just like I I got over stage fright. Um, I don't think I'll ever get over stage fright. I was scared to pieces before I came on with you. Really? <laughs> yes. And we've known each other a long time. I know, but I don't know what you're going to ask me. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I know. I don't have questions. I never, I just sit and... Think of it as just a conversation that you and I are having. Um, but I, I, you know, I, now you've got me flummoxed <laughs> because I don't think about it. Uh, but I mean, did you feel uh, when you were doing uh, as the world turns? Did you feel uh, stage fright before those cameras started to roll? Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness, <clears throat> the, those you can see it in your peripheral coming in and you know moving in for the big scene. Uh, <clears throat> in rehearsal, that used to frighten me. But I didn't think about it after that. I didn't care. I didn't care. I thought if you want to get a good picture of me, you better know which way I'm going. <laughs> it's a uh, that's just the way, you know, I don't think it's happening with Lisa and Bob. It was real. It was real, all of this. So early on, you get an agent, you get a manager. Mm -hmm. When do you, at what point do you feel that you found your voice in the business? Uh, when you were standing up for what you wanted, uh, <laughs> I mean, even Lisa came along because this was something that someone else brought to you. But mm -hmm. obviously, as time and life happens, things begin to happen where you begin to pursue things on your own accord. This is what I want. This is what Eileen Fulton wants. When did well, that, that mm -hmm. begin to happen? Uh, the grandma class, uh, wit, spanking me. Uh, no, no, you don't do that. It's just Lisa wouldn't let her wouldn't let her be spanked. I said I'll kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I just pick up the steak knife and kill him, and we'll be done with it. Just don't lay a hand on me like that. So when it's, you walked away from the character that last time, yeah. did you really feel that that was it? 
that it was the last time that you would say those words, that you would play that character? Or did you feel in the back of your mind that somehow you would come back someday? No, not really. I just felt like that was a sad day for me. It really was. That last day, we burned up poor old Hal's hairpiece that he hated. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we did. You didn't see us do this. We did it in the backyard. But I just thought, that's sad. And it's sad to see, say goodbye to your friends. That's terrible. I felt that way, too, when we were doing the last picture, taking the last pictures. This is sad. Well, we've got a question from uh, another viewer uh, as, uh, asking if I can ask you about your scenes with Lucinda. I love doing those. Um, <clears throat> they were fun, but you know, they, they wrote a lot of scenes with Lisa and Lucinda. Really picky and... Uh, and I thought they were immature, and so did Liz. And we would get together and try to give the, <laughs> the producers and everybody who was watching and filming uh, a better way. We always look for a better way to be, instead of two mature women being two bitches. And I thought, yeah, it's just, but you know, that gave us a premise of what they wanted us to do. So I said, Liz, we have to get together and don't fuss at them. <laughs> don't say, who the hell wrote this? But, <laughs> which I've done. <laughs> but we really had to, you have to give them uh, an answer or here's a better way to say this line. Mm -hmm. And you would do it. And the reaction is better. We really did that. And also uh, with Elizabeth Hubbard. I'm sorry? Uh, scenes with Elizabeth Hubbard. Yeah. No. That, was, that was it. That's what I was talking about. Yes, yes. Uh, when, uh, when you started doing the show, you, it was, everything was live. When did the transition happen? How long into... The series, uh, with, were you in the show before everything went to tape? And what was that experience like for you to go all of a sudden from having to do everything live to knowing that you had the luxury of taping things? It wasn't. It wasn't a luxury because uh, you was you were very. I was very aware not to mess up. But then, if I had to think about my character. And what she did, I did it. <laughs> you know, I didn't think mm -hmm. I'm like. It was in the moment. Yes, and if you think I'm alive, I'm. I mean, no, well, yeah, you are alive. I was thinking, I'm live on television. Here comes the camera. There goes the scene. If you start thinking like that, you have to think about what's happening. Just, what do I want from him? Now, you and I talked about something a few years ago, and I'm going to bring it up again. Okay. And that was Carol Burnett and As the Stomach Turns. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> now, that's how I felt about that. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, I went up to CBS and I was talking and I said, I've got a great idea for Carol Burnett. And I said, I'll come out in my curls and gorgeousness and do like she does with her screaming and loud self and uh, all of that. You know, the opposite from Lisa. And they thought, that's funny. So they did that, but without Eileen. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought, I really want to do that. I wanted to be on her show. I like Carol Burnett. I think she's, oh, 
the epitome of comedy. And I just, I love it. And I, I do hate that they took the idea. They even put her in little dresses like mine, a little pen up here. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I didn't, wasn't there a time also when uh, the, uh, when your show went prime time as well? When it did what? Uh, where you did some evening uh, episodes as well? <laughs> yeah. I, it was going to be called The Woman Lisa. And it certainly was not. And uh, it was going to be exciting because <clears throat> we were going to go to color. And I got to be in the sets. Excuse me. I wanted to go into be on the set and uh, have the phone matching this and that. You know, beautiful. And so we started that. But they said in the fall, we, we will go to color. But in the fall, we were canceled. And that was sad. That was sad. A few years ago, I got the good fortune of interviewing you live on stage at the Metropolitan Room. Yeah. And when we, you know, I did a series of interviews and what I loved about those interviews, other than the fact that I got to be on stage with you, I actually have um, a photo, I have a couple of photographs uh, from that. Here we are. Yeah. Look at us. And uh, here we are. I love this photograph. They even came in uh, with your own Eileen Fulton wine for that. Uh, is that all right? Uh, uh, the Eileen Fulton wine they had for this. Right here. But mm -hmm. uh, what I loved about this is because when we did this series of interviews, um, I offered each of uh, the people that I interviewed uh, a chance to choose the charity of your choice. And we raised money for the charity of your choice. And you chose... Uh, 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 humanity, uh, you know, um, homes for humanity. So we oh, did good. that, and we raised a lot of money uh, because we saved out. Uh, so uh, you know, so I want to thank you for that because you know, and uh, it's just been absolutely wonderful with the work that you've done and the charity yeah. work that you've done. Uh, you know, in addition to that. So as we wrap up, because this hour has flown for me, yeah. um, you have gone back to where it all began for you. You've gone back to North Carolina, which we miss here in New York. How does it feel to be back in North Carolina? Well, I've always loved the mountains, so I'm fine with that. But I don't know. I miss New York. But then I've talked to my friends who live in New York, and they were saying it is not like it used to be. No, no, it's not. And I thought, well, I don't want to see it like that. I'd rather see it as I remember it. Exciting and beautiful. Yeah. And this afternoon, uh, at uh, this evening, uh, you're, uh, the celebration continues because you're doing a big Zoom event uh, with your fan club. Yes. Uh, That's going to be fun. So, what, I mean, explain, you know, to everyone who's watching, what that means to you, this connection that you have, which is very unique uh, with all of your fans, as we said earlier, they've always been there for you. They've never left you. And uh, you have been, as long as I've known you, hands-on with this relationship with your fans. Oh, it should be. It should be. And it gives me such joy to see people who have enjoyed me. It really does. And... They come to say thank you, and I want to say thank you. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you. I'm going to say my closing remarks, and then I'm going to leave the screen, and I'm going to let you have your final word today. It could be about anything that we talked about, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with. You don't have to worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say <laughs> goodbye, I will end everything. Um, okay. There are a couple of things that I want to say. First of all, um, I have such 
fond memories of sitting with my grandmother and watching you, never realizing in a million years, I've got photographs on the wall um, of, uh, I'm looking right, right across of a, a great photograph of you and me, uh, probably I think the first time you and I met, uh, dinners that we've had together, parties and things. My mom said that when she uh, was pregnant with me, uh, she became addicted to As the World Turns. And she believes that it was because of her addiction to As the World Turns that I was so addicted to wanting to be in show business. So perhaps there's some connection between you and me that we never even knew about that was slated in the stars before we began. Um, I, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, I, I lost track with you. And then when we reconnected and I spoke with you for the first time and I heard your voice on the phone about a week ago, I was thrilled. I'm so glad to be reconnected with you. Happy, happy birthday. You are truly one of my favorite people on the planet. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here talking to you. You know that to be true. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here today. And I know that I can speak for Eileen when I say this. Uh, we don't take it lightly when you show up for us in this business. When you spend an hour with us, uh, it means the world. If this was your first time here, I hope it will not be your last. Uh, please uh, leave a comment on YouTube. Share this with your friends. Tell other people. This will be on demand after today's show, so you'll be able to see it at any time. Uh, I also uh, tell everyone uh, to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone. Call someone that you have not spoken to in a long time. Go to your Facebook friends list and pick up, and go to the sixth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know the impact that they have made on your life. Uh, because by doing so, what you're going to do is you're going to make an impact on their life. I have a dear friend. Sean Moniger, and he always says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I <laughs> say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, <laughs> Eileen, I'm going to leave the screen. You've got the final word. And like I said, when you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. It's all yours. You've got the final word. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Well, that's a big thing to leave me with. <clears throat> I just think that it's so important to be kind uh, to people and be aware of what they're going through or whatever. But try to be, just try to be kind. And if you can't be kind, just walk away. <laughs> Don't. Don't bend to a low, I think they're just, you know, when you meet somebody who's tacky and don't you go there. Don't meet them there. Be, just be a good soul because it doesn't last all that long. I'm surprised that I've hit 90. I really am. Uh, I used to play when I was little that it's good to be the grown-up. It's good to be the oldest person uh, because I felt an older person has say on things. <laughs> no, you've got to make your own if you want it to be a bit of kindness or understanding. You've just got to have that yourself and, and give. That's it. Goodbye, everybody.